Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a really exciting founder, you know, a founder that is joining us from Startup Nation. You know, I think that his journey is quite remarkable. You know, we're going to be learning a lot about all the good stuff that we like to hear, you know, when we're speaking with founders, anything around building, scaling, financing, and, and all of the above. You know, on the show today, we're going to be really talking about what this guest has learned from really establishing a business with his childhood friends. Also about bootstrapping the company initially. You know, right now they've raised about $58 million uh, or so. And we're going to also talk about, you know, some of the good things about accessibility and, 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 and really starting from nothing. You know, a company that it was very difficult to get financing at the beginning, no loans, no nothing. And they brought it all the way to a point where finally, you know, investors, you know, were all over it. So, Without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Dekel Scoop. Welcome to the show. Alejandro, nice to meet you. Thank you very much for having me here. So born in a kibbutz. So tell us about how was life growing up there in Israel? We moved to a small city next to Tel Aviv when I was around three to four years. And most of my childhood was there. And that's also where I met two of my friends who became my partners to excessively and I would love to share a bit more about that. Well, obviously, soccer, you know, was where you eventually met uh, your childhood friends. You know, the you guys were like very competitive playing soccer. So what do you think soccer taught you and, and, and your now co-founders about leadership, about getting out there and really making it happen? And then also about collaborating between you guys, because it sounds like that uh, experience of you guys playing soccer together really built a really strong yeah. uh, foundation for the three of you. So, so tell us about this. So first of all, for our friends outside of the U.S., when we say soccer, we mean football, you know, my friends from England, will right. if I keep calling it soccer, uh, so it's also football. Um, and that's how we actually met. We played the same team from around the age of seven. And, and and the reality of growing up in a competitive sport, especially a team, team um, type of uh, competitive sport, brings you a lot of values and teaches you a lot of how to collaborate and how to not thinking that you have, you're the one who has the only solution for everything. Uh, and the collaboration and, and the competitiveness alongside your friends is very empowering. And I think that that's also a big value that we bring today to our workplace and to the people who work with us. And, and that's also something that helps us as, as, as kids to grow up and fulfilling um, our, our plans and, and, and also getting some energy out instead of making problems at school and in our houses. We used to go and kick some balls and run, get all the energy out on the field, which is great for children. And I would love my kids to go and, and, and also take a part in competitive sport when they grow up. So that's how we met. Um, uh, as you said, very competitive with uh, big dreams, wanting to do big things in our life. Unfortunately, soccer wasn't the path for us. Genetics and also other things in our head told us that that's not the right way to go. Um, and after growing up a bit and after serving in the army, we decided to start working together in other endeavors. Um, so two of us, 
And that was with restaurants and bars. Restaurants and bars out of all things. Eh? I mean, it's quite a it's quite a quite quite a transition now into what you guys are doing today. So how do you get started with bars and restaurants? And then all of a sudden, you know, going to marketing and then from marketing now into hyper growth building companies. So only two of us had the scene of going to work in the bars and the restaurants. The third one actually was a bit smarter and decided to become a developer, which was a very smart move. Um, so two of us went and opened bars and restaurants, and that was what we thought we were going to likely do. We did that. Um, after working there in several years, we decided that we want to do something more challenging um, for ourselves, and that was to establish a marketing agency and provide marketing efforts and branding efforts and some sort of 360 for helping small businesses to sell the products or services and grow through customer base. At the same time, parallelly, uh, and as I said, the, the smartest co-founder alongside us was a developer, an engineer. He had, he had his own startup, he sold it, he established a software house um, and provided services for bigger companies. And the marketing agency was for, was for clients, were SMBs, and, and, and our partner who managed the software house at the enterprise level clients like banks, investment houses. And, and big uh, brands. Um, and we used to work together. That was nice because we were friends who could actually also work together. We used to provide services that, uh, that completed each other. So um, Shia, with the software house, used to provide web building and software solution to our to us and to our clientele. We used to provide marketing efforts for Shia and his clientele. And it was amazing to work together. And that's how our business journey also started all, all, all together. So then, so then, tell me at what point you guys, you know, really come up with the with the idea of what you're up to now with accessibility. Because I mean, obviously, it's quite the transition here, uh, and you know, one learning tech, the other one's learning marketing. Uh, at what point do you realize, hey, this is a very meaningful problem? Yeah, I think that there is something big that we could do here. Because I mean, obviously, at this point, not a lot of people was doing, uh, you know that much with AI, no? When you guys were doing this, it was 2016, yeah, so before all this craziness that uh, that we are now uh, embracing. So how did all that come together? So the first time we encountered the challenges around making websites and digital assets accessible was when the Israeli government, which actually was the first government in the world to do so, decided to create regulation that would enforce private businesses to make their websites accessible for people with disabilities, which was very important. We believe that it was a very important move, but most businesses, SMBs mainly, couldn't do it. They didn't have the capital, they didn't have the knowledge, they didn't have the tech abilities to take their digital assets and make them accessible. The bigger clients had, and, and, and Shear, who used to manage bigger clients in the software house, had to find solutions to make his clients accessible. That's how it all started. He came up with the idea. Um, so his clients came to him, told him, listen, regulation is coming. We have to become accessible. Help us. And then he started doing it manually at the get-go. And he started, there was a bottleneck of doing it manually. Most of the market won't be able to become accessible if that's going to be the only way. It's a, it's a very good way, but there are probably other ways to add to that and to have some sort of a variety of ways and solutions to become accessible. That's, that was the get-go of his ideas. And he started developing an AI machine learning solution. And then he came to me and Gal, the other two co-founders, and told us, listen, guys, there's a problem. 
here's the problems. I believe I'm gonna get go to find a solution that can help everybody, not only people, or not only businesses with a lot of money and capital to become accessible. Uh, and let's do something together. Um, and that's how it all came into life. And then we kept developing the solution. And then at the beginning of 2018, we had a prototype, implemented that on, on, on our client clients' websites and managed to make them accessible. That, that's how it all started, okay? I guess for the people that are listening to really get it too, what ended up being accessible today? I mean, how, how do you guys make money? Okay, so... It's very important to say that the mission is not only to make money, it's also to make the internet accessible. And we are lucky enough to manage to combine those two together in doing good while also providing. So we started with an AI machine learning tool that helps mainly SMBs and mountain top shops to become accessible because they didn't have the tech abilities and the capital to pay for services companies to make them accessible. It's a very, very, very expensive process and also takes a lot of time. And we wanted to solve their problem because at the end of the day, if you look at the American uh, business uh, ecosystem, 99% of the market is built out of SMBs and moms and pop shops. And they had to find a solution to make themselves accessible. And we saw it as a mission that we have to fulfill. Uh, and that's how it started. And then we started selling the product to businesses in Israel and then in the US. And we managed to help a lot of them to become accessible. Um, and slowly, slowly, we had also understood that we need to develop more and more ways of helping a business to become accessible. And we need to create some sort of an ecosystem that provides accessibility in a variety of ways, solutions, products, manual services, all in all together, depending on the size of the business who needs it, depending on the stage of the accessibility journey the business is in right now, and to grow with him to the maximum of accessibility you can achieve and maintain into a digital assets. That's the mission, that's what we're doing today. We start with very small businesses, helping them scale their accessibility um, solutions and services into their digital assets. We also help enterprise companies making their digital assets a lot more accessible and more usable for people with disabilities and actually unlocking the challenges of becoming accessible online. That, that's how we, we grow and you know, make a business. And that's our mission. And what was what was the journey too of um, doing this in a bootstrap way? Because I mean, yeah. obviously now you guys have raised quite a bit of money, but uh, doing this from a bootstrapped uh, perspective yeah. is very difficult. So, so why did you guys embark in that path, and and how did that unfold? So the thing is, with visionary people like my partner Shiro, thought of the idea that sometimes they see things before everybody else is seeing them. And we, he came with this idea and we tried to raise money from, at the beginning, from banks, loans from banks to, you know, uh, bring money into the business so we can run the business. And banks didn't even want to give us loan and we had a problem. So we decided that the only way to move it forward from here is probably to say bye-bye to our former businesses, our milking cows, let's call it, and put all that money into the business we believe is going to change the world. And that's what we did. We sold our bars. We sold our marketing agency. We sold a software house and took all of that money into the company and, and started growing it. And after we proved to the, to the banks and to investors that there is something here and the internet will need to become accessible and we will help it happen, they started believing us also. And only a few, one or two years after, we started getting some small loans and after the investments. And that's a whole story you can speak about also. So that's how it all started. So, so tell us about that moment where you feel that you're turning a corner, you know, with investors, and now you're starting to spark interest from them. 
Like, how did that unravel? Yeah, so the, 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 the most challenging things of, of the thing about a market is the educational part of things. People, businesses, individuals, whatever it is, have to understand that the internet has to become accessible. And this is something mandatory for everybody. And that was something that was very difficult to explain to investors or to banks because they didn't see it yet. And only when the regulation came in place and said, listen, everybody, you have to become accessible, things started to move forward. Things started, the, the, the wheels of this, of this you know, um, train started to move forward. And then banks started seeing that, okay, that those guys were right. That they're probably onto something. And also investors said, okay, internet is now the center of the world. It's more than makes sense that it will need to become accessible, just like the physical places that are already accessible. That's what the world has to become. And then they become, then they started to believe in what we're doing and wanted to take a part in joint journey. Hey guys, so pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieversen, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com. And we would love to take a look at helping you out. So how was the uh, fundraising journey like too as well? Because you guys have raised uh, quite a bit of money. You guys have raised about $58 million. So what was the journey of raising all that money like? So the first time we took money that wasn't ours to grow the business was taking a loan from a bank, small bank in Israel. And we had to convince him that that's the right thing to do. So he gave us a small chunk of money at the beginning. In terms of dollars, I think it was... $25,000, $30,000. He told us, take this and show me that you have a good business. We took it, we showed him, we came back, and then he gave us another um, $60,000. We took that and keep growing the business. But then he understood that we need you know, more dry powder because we have a bigger mission and we need to make the internet accessible and to take small chunks of loans from banks is not going to make the difference and move the needle. And then we decided that we need to turn and become a startup and raise funds like startup usually needs to do. Um, and then we met a few angel investors. And one of them was a mentor in our marketing agency who believed in us and saw what we're doing and really wanted to help us. So he brought two colleagues of his and they invested in us. And we also added another investors, a private investor that actually owns a venture capital called Glilot, but he joined alone. 
without the capital, with his own private money. He really believed in us. And we created some sort of a coalition of very smart investors, impactful investors, that helped us grow the business. So that was a small amount of money we raised, probably around half a million dollars back then. And we managed to take that money and keep growing the business, keep making the internet accessible more and more. And then we understood that there's another phase of growing as a, as a startup and from angel investors to move to the VC slash PE world, bringing a big, strong investors behind us that will really help us push that to the next five to 10 years and really help us change the, the internet and, and make uh, an impact. And then we met uh, K1, amazing investors from uh, West Coast, from LA. Uh, they believed in the company and they put the first investment in. And then the company kept on growing, kept on creating more solutions, more services, more products, helping more business become accessible, helping more individuals with disabilities to use the internet. And then the dream that we had really came into life, really making the internet accessible. And then K1 invested more money in the company because they kept seeing the trajectory of what we're doing. And then the private angel investor from Glilot decided to bring his own VC as well. So they joined um, and brought also some of their LPs to invest in us. And now we have a very strong coalition of investors behind Accessibility who are helping us realizing the dream of making the internet accessible. So it was like a developing stage by stage from small loans to a small uh, angel investing and then to a big private equity and a syndicate of investors behind us. Obviously, when when investors invest, they want to make sure that, you know, that founder is committed, no, and that they really have the passion for the problem that they're solving. No, Obviously, in your case, too, there is a background there, you know, in the family as well of disability. So why at a personal level this was so important and dear to your heart? Okay, so first I'll give a caveat. I don't like to say that because of my family problem, I can and make a business. I'm here because I believe in it, regardless of what I have in my private life. That's the journey I, I chose to take because I believe in, in it in an ethical way. I believe in it in a business way. Yes, also making money, it's okay. It's not a bad thing. Um, but I believe, and I also spoke about it with my psychologist one time, that maybe in the back of my head, there's also a part of wanting to do good, especially for a community of disabilities, because I have my own experience in that world uh, and my family has it. And by the way, also my co-founders, one of my co-founders also coming with a background like that. Um, and, and, and I believe that probably it's said there in the back of my head because accessibility is not the first time I'm creating a startup around impactful and around doing good for the world. I had a business before that. I, I tried to establish a startup before that. It also used to do good for uh, NPOs. It didn't succeed. Nobody wanted to invest in that, unfortunately. But that was the first the time that I really tried to do something impactful. Um, and my, my background count that my family is suffering from a condition called arthrogryposis. It's very rare. Probably none of you know about that. And that causes motor impairments, mainly around ligaments and joints and muscles. Um, some of my family members suffer from it a lot more severe than what I did. In my case, it's only come straight in my, the palm of my hands, if you can see. It used to be a shame of my hands, but not anymore. Um, and some, you know, um, back pains and, and stiffness, but I can't complain. I'm totally okay. No complaints. But I believe and my colleagues believe that probably there's something there. Um, and, but, you know, thank God, thanks to technology and progress and innovation, my kid, my daughter was born without any problem because we managed to do a process in IVF to help her help this embryo get 
the gene out. So technology can really help everybody. That that's my take on that. And that's what I'm trying to no do. No kidding. Yeah. Thank you. That's amazing. Now 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 in your case, um, you know, for example, with the company, it sounds like I mean now, you know, global the approach, over two hundred employees, I mean the impact is real. Yeah. Did you guys think about that global approach from the gecko or did that they you know, came up as, as you guys were executing? At the get-go, because Israel was the only regulated market, and that was where the place we worked at, we didn't think about making it global. We wanted to solve a problem for our people at the beginning, to the small businesses and also people with disabilities in our country. We joined forces with a group of people with disabilities that helped us improve our solutions, our products, and also worked with a lot of businesses to make them accessible, and that was the ecosystem we operated at. And then slowly, slowly, we understood that What's happening in Israel is probably just the beginning because the internet has to become accessible everywhere, not only in Israel. In America, in Europe, it's going to happen. And then we started developing and, and, and thinking about globalization of, of helping business to become accessible. And then the U.S. rejoined. A year after the Israel government was officially affirmed about global accessibility regulation, the DOJ in America also did some modification and it created a reality where Businesses, private businesses have to make them their website accessible. And we saw this opportunity and we saw that we have a, we have a chance to really make a global impact. And we put, we doubled down on that and, and rebranded the company and started selling our products in the US, working with people with disabilities in the US, learning their challenges. Every country has different challenges. Every individual has different challenges. And we need to learn and adapt and change the way we do things to, make, to, to fit to their needs and to their problems. And that was the transition. It took a step by step. We didn't, at the beginning, it wasn't there to your question. It's something that developed along the time we operated. Now, we were talking about investments earlier and, and the approach of, of, of going global as well. I want to talk about vision because that's something big, you know, something yeah. big, you know, especially as you're onboarding uh, folks, employees, investors. Let's say if you were to go to sleep tonight, Dekel, and you wake up in a world where the vision of Accessibility is fully realized. What does that world look like? So first, I don't think that it will be possible that the vision will be fully realized because the technology always evolves and people's needs always evolve. And our mission is always be there and learn from the get from the people with disabilities what they need and always keep improving what we're doing. That that, that, that that's my take of realizing the dream. And websites keep on being built. Technology keep on changing and we always have to be there and modify and change and improve modify change improve and keep learning also learning all the time learning 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 so um i'm not sure it will ever be totally realized and all of the internet will become fully accessible it's a long process it's gonna take time but i believe that we can push as far as possible on that um and and the the, the mindset that we have to change is that this is a not one size fits all. The, 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 the mission is to find different ways, different products, different services, manual services, automatic services that can help every business and every technology to become as accessible as it can. We started with one product that fits a certain part of the market. And then as we grew, we learned that we have to develop more and more solutions. We got a lot of feedback from the people with disabilities that worked with us. And we learned so much from them. We keep learning so much from them and keep evolving all the time. So now my dream is to keep evolving and keep creating 
the forefront of my market and helping the internet become more and more accessible. Hopefully one day it will be possible to make the entire internet accessible from the get-go. But right now we're still not there and we have a long mission and a long uh, dream to realize. So we're talking about the uh, future here, but I want to talk about the past and doing so with a lens of reflection because you guys have been pushing this since 2016. So let's say I was to give you the opportunity of going back in time and put you into a time machine. Yeah. And I bring you back to that moment where you guys are thinking about a future where you could do something here. Uh, and let's say you're able to sit down, all of you. Yeah. And you're able to give all of you one piece of advice before yeah. launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? Okay. So I have a few of them. One, it's about the product and about the services we provide. Work a lot more with the end users of your solution. This is something we're doing today full force with all of our company. But at the get-go, we had some challenges. We didn't do it quite well. Um, and it gave us a lot of backlashes, but we learned from it. And today, it's the basic of the basic is to really work with the people who use our solutions, use our services and our products, and learn from them what they need and what they want. That's number one, okay? If you want to solve someone's problem, do it with them, not for them. That's very important, very, very important. I don't. Um, second, um, believe in your people. Believe in them, okay? When you establish a business at the beginning, when you do the things, it, it looks very difficult to give it to someone else and believe that you will do what you did as best as you can. But your job as an entrepreneur, as a leader, is to find people who will do what you did better than you. Yes, it will happen. People will do things better than yourself. That's what you need to understand. They are, they are out there. It might be difficult to find them. It might be difficult to train them. But if you put your effort on finding them and training them correctly, you will help them to fulfill your business dreams. And that's something very important that we learned along the way. Bring the right people in and let them do the work. Obviously, onboard them, teach them as much as you can. But from the moment they understand what you want from them, let them do it. Because you're not the smartest person in the room. You will never be the smartest person in the room. They're always going to be someone smarter than you. Your job is to find him and let him work with you. That, that's, um, that's number two. And number three, I think... Don't be afraid of taking big leaps when you need. We were very scared doing the move from Israel to the U.S., but the moment we did it, we, we told ourselves, how come we didn't do it before? We, we needed to do it before. So obviously create all the analysis and the market research you have to create, but the moment you understood that's where you need to go, do the, make, make the jump, make the leap, do it. Don't be afraid. You're not, you don't understand how much things will happen, the moment you get out of your comfort zone and the moment you're really trying to realize your dream, things will start aligning without you even understand how and why. So I think those, those are the tips that I can give. I love it. I love it. So, Dekel, for the people that are listening that would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so? Um, I'm available on LinkedIn, Dekel School. Always feel free to reach out. I'm very responsive. Um, I also have my email, Dekel at accessib.com. Um, I love people. I love working with people. That's where I come from. I'm a people's person. I learn so much from people all the time. I hope to give back when I can. So feel free. I love it. Well, hey, Dekel, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Thank you, Alejandro. Thank you very much for having me here. It was great. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, 
share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.